0: Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast, with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally, into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue.
1: Welcome to the anniversary edition of the Writer's Block Party podcast. Uh, I'm Prue Warren.
2: And I'm Meredith Bond.
1: We've been doing this for 52 episodes now. Isn't that incredible? I know. Who thought we would have this durability? Who thought I would have this many questions? (laughs) (laughs) So Mary, today we were thinking the best way to celebrate our anniversary would be well, first of all, you were thinking to send me flowers, and that was really sweet of you. I have beautiful pink roses sitting right next to me. The cat is is loving them, too. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. That was really sweet. I should have done something for you. Uh, but we were thinking the best thing to do would be to look back on what we've learned over 51 episodes. And my list is really <laughs> is really long.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a list, too, I have to say. Because I have learned a lot. I have learned from you and I have learned from all of our wonderful guests who we've had.
1: Oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. That's so true. Um, I think that uh, my key observation from going back and listening to podcasts is that I have a tell. And when I am overwhelmed, when I get more information than I can absorb, I say, okay, all right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. (laughs) Which is like the spinning icon over my head going processing, processing, processing. Oh, please. Processing. And I think I've said it at least once an episode as I get uh, inundated, this, this opportunity to learn from you has been extraordinary for me. And one of my favorite moments of the entire series didn't happen on the series. Um, We have, one listener um who was glory medina who is a writer at my level not at your level uh, and she's a friend of mine and i she and i were talking about the podcast and i said that all i do is ask ignorant questions and she said no that's good you're asking all the questions i want to ask and that was one of my that was a moment that made me feel a lot better about being a huge gaping vacuum of information Please tell me more. So that opportunity to speak for those who are at my level has been so valuable to me. When you invited me to do a podcast in the first place, I didn't, you know, all I had was ignorance. So I really am very grateful. I'm really very grateful to you.
2: Well, I am grateful to you for agreeing to do this podcast because (laughs) I certainly could not have done it by myself.
1: (laughs) Do you have a single favorite moment? Can you pick just one
2: moment? Oh, that's a I question.
1: I know it's hard.
2: Um, I don't think I have just one moment. I do. I do appreciate and really have enjoyed our guests who we've uh-huh. had on because I mean, through the podcast, I have been able to ask questions that I would normally be too embarrassed to ask. This,
1: this, I think you're exactly right. It's an opportunity to say I can betray my ignorance because I'm helping other people. (laughs) (laughs) Other people don't know it. That's awesome.
2: That's exactly, that's exactly right. Especially when you've been around publishing for as long as I have, I've been doing this well I've been writing since, you know, 2000, even before then, um, but published, actually published since 2004. And so I can't exactly go up to people who (laughs) I have known for 15 years and say, hey, what's your writing process? How do you do this? (laughs) But through the podcast, I can.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I think I have I have a lot of things on my list specific things, but um there's one there was one uh, jump from episode to episode that I don't think I noticed at the time, but I'm looking back on it now. We talked about the writer's process in episode 26 mm-hmm. and and the concept was quieting your inner critic, quieting the voice inside you that tells you, why you'll not succeed, or why mm-hmm. that's a bad idea, or why you shouldn't try. And then right before that was Grace Burroughs, the amazing Grace Burroughs, who I thought was incredible, but the it was such a small thing. But she gave me two new vocabulary words, and I've mentioned it before. Hypnagogic, meaning the state right before you go to sleep, and hypnopompic, meaning the state right as you wake up, which tend to be hugely creative times for me and it wasn't until i was listening to the series again that i realized that those two states are when my inner critic is most quiet so i i i had moments of aha while i was while we were doing the podcast but it wasn't until i looked back that i saw how those two were linked uh-huh. and that was I, that's just very valuable to me
2: yeah it is i i have to agree and that that concept of being open and nonjudgmental and it, at those moments when you are just coming out of sleep and coming just going into sleep i mean right. yes that is when your creativity is at its height and i hadn't realized that either until we spoke with grace um i know that i write best when i am tired and which is and so mid afternoon when we all have this low and mm-hmm. we you know we reach for the the teapot or for the coffee cup and we need that's when i write my best i think that's so
1: interesting because as i as i pointed out i don't have any particular writing time but yeah. i do i do think that this is a really fascinating part of my process is, you know, even someone as arrogant and, you know, stuck up as me about, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I can write a book, blah, 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 blah. Um, There are (laughs) doubts and, and knowing, knowing where your doubts come from and how to just inhibit them a little bit, not to, not to dismiss them because doubts will make you get better. But if you can inhibit them, you can do better. I'm, I'm very, I'm very moved by that. I mean, there were a lot of things that I really liked, but I was very moved by that.
2: I have to agree. Okay.
1: All right. What else is on your list?
2: Okay. Also on my list, um, Mindy. I loved talking to Mindy. I she is her. so wonderful. And yeah. she was so open and honest about her process and how she works. This is works.
1: Mindy, author, Mindy Klaski. Yes. Who was uh, who was our guest on episode number? Wait a minute, I'm going to tell you what number. Oh, where's Mindy? Forty six, episode forty six.
2: She was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, also, I have to say, Jenny Kate, who we had on twice, yep. because she is such a fantastic font of knowledge. Yep, yep.
1: At least episode forty five was the one I wrote down because. Um, She said, our question was, how do you define your target audience? I have no idea who my target audience is. And it was just sort of like, I don't know, people like me, I guess. And she said, don't be an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't say don't be an idiot. But what she said was, figure it out. And I have been on the most fascinating journey of figuring out who responds to ads for sit in the peanut butter cup. I'm showing Mary the chart that I keep about how many books I sell. It is. It's so fascinating. And I rapidly went from attempting to compare myself to other authors. Uh, I went from there to attempting to compare people who like iconic things. Like right now, my ads are running for Dwayne, the rock Johnson because he is big and beautiful and charming and lovely, right? And and mm-hmm. the people who like that may well like my rom com. I'm doing um, people over thirty who like Taylor Swift, and I'm doing uh, Shit's Creek. And pretty soon I'm going to run an ad for John Krasinski and Dolly Parton and Pink and all these sort of cultural icons that have nothing to do with the romance world but are defining the kind of person who I think would like my book and it goes beyond authors. And Jenny gave me that. And it was, it's been, it's been my rabid you're a nut fascination for the last month. So so Jenny Kate's been on twice, but for me it was episode number forty five that just lit me up
2: like a pinball game. Who else do you have you learned a lot from? Or what else? Chris Hall, oh, yeah. episode 25,
1: we had your editor on who uh, who gave us a discussion of how you actually work with an editor and apparently how you work with your editor, which gave me the courage to say I was not happy with my first editor and to move on. And I have found now uh, Matrice Hussey, who I work with in a very different way. It is much more collaborative. It's much more supportive. It's much more engaging. And it was Chris Hall who told me that I didn't have to have this um, student teacher relationship. I could have a more collaborative relationship. And I'm, I am very grateful. So that's, that's another one of mine.
2: Oh, that's very good. I'm so glad that she was able to push you in that direction.
1: Well, but uh, you know, as a novice, there's so much I don't know. So the opportunity to hear it was really was really good. I have one more author on my list who's particularly stood out, but I don't want to cut you off. Do you have you wanna
2: wanna do a speaker? I have I have one more who is um our discussion of audiobooks with <laughs> Naomi Rosemonk. You know
1: what? She's on my list, too. But what I, I didn't write down, down her name, it was episode number 38. I wanted to know, how did your book sell?
2: It has sold about uh, 25 or 30 copies so far. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and and are you pleased with that?
2: I am. I think it could do a lot more, but uh, it's partially my fault because I'm not advertising it actively. Mm-hmm. And I really yeah, I, I need to do that.
1: Every every time I look around, there's another place where I could be. Like I've never sold a single book on Google Play, mm. which means not that Google Play is a bad place for me, but that I have not figured out how to attract Google Play listeners to my book. So the fact that you sold twenty five or thirty audiobooks seems very impressive to me. But there's probably, you know, you could probably throw money at the problem and see returns because of that. Exactly. That woman was amazing. Your voice actor was incredible. She was so interesting and it demystified the process for me.
2: Yes, exactly. And for me as well, because I have known nothing about making audiobooks or where actors come from or what they do when they're making an audiobook and afterwards. It's just. It was all really fascinating to speak with her and to hear about it.
1: And that's kind of—it would be cool to have. I would—I would like to have an audiobook. I mean, I I think all romance authors now dream that Hallmark will call up and say, "We must make a movie of your incredible story," right? (laughs) And if they won't call, perhaps I'll do it myself, right? We'll we'll, we'll get this beautiful woman to record the book and put it up for an audiobook. Uh, The other guest who hit me particularly was bcds oh yeah who told us a writing process uh and it was she called it fad feelings auction feelings action dialogue and how you put those in order and i would say within a week of her explaining why you should write in a certain order i came across sentences that needed to be rewritten and immediately smoothed out and became more uh, impactful because the technique that she shared with us became one that I, I understood instinctively but hadn't brought to my conscious brain. And it made me a better writer to say, I see. I see what I've done here. I've done action, feelings, dialogue, or dialogue, and then feelings and action. Whatever it was, doing the feelings, then the action, then the dialogue was just just remarkably useful. I so I really enjoyed that conversation.
2: Yeah, I agree. Also interesting, you posed the question on our discord server. Karen C wrote that she found uh, taglines and log lines to be very interesting. She had not known the difference and she hadn't thought a great deal about it. and so she really she said that she appreciated that discussion that we had. And she also loved Mindy Clasky.
1: Everybody loves Mindy. Mindy's just incredible. The um, log lines and taglines conversation um, was back in the beginning of the year. I'm looking now for what number it was, just so if anybody wants to go back and listen to it. Um, and it's it's a it's episode number seven. That was one of the ones where I was going, okay, all right, all right, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Like Karen on the Discord server, that was a whole big field of I don't know what I'm doing. So it was it was really powerful for me also to have your guidance on that one. So yes, that's true. Um, the other one that I would put in the same category was episodes 28 and 29, which was hooks. How oh, to write yeah. a great hook opening and how to close a paragraph on a hook so that whoever it is, Who's reading has to say, well, I guess I'm going to be late for work tomorrow. <laughs> that was a very valuable conversation.
2: Those were very, very interesting conversations for me as well, because it's something that I don't normally think about or hadn't normally thought about as much as I probably should have. But I do now because we well, talked like, about it.
1: That's like my feelings, action, dialogue. You, When it's done correctly, right? you appreciate it, but you don't necessarily actively become aware of it. So now I'm more aware of hooks and I'm more aware of feeling action dialogue and all these things that we've been going over for the past year have made me more conscious about the opportunities that are before me. So ah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I Was particularly grateful for. We did a series as I was publishing Sim. We did a series on how to publish, how to get reviews, what happens on the day you publish. They were episodes 18, 19, and 21. And I had forgotten so much that I'm so grateful that we have. Where's my piece? There's a piece of paper here where my initial notes were. Where I have here's what here's what was meaningful for me, and then down at the bottom are the list of all the specific things that I need to do about dash is being published within a month. I'm like, what do I put prices at for India? Right, you, you <laughs> round it up to two fifty, you round it to three hundred rupees. What price do I put for Japan? And the answer was, it doesn't matter what price. No one in Japan's going to buy your book. <laughs> there were all kinds of there were all kinds of little details that I would have questions again. I'd forgotten do I do expanded distribution? And the answer is no, not if you're going with Ingram Spark. I like, it was so incredibly valuable to have those three episodes recorded now as I'm beginning this process again. That was that was huge for me today. Your knowledge, yeah. your knowledge is a warehouse. <laughs> you're
2: very wise. <laughs> One thing that... uh B.C. Deeks liked, because she is also a, a listener to this podcast. Hey. She said on the Discord server that she appreciates that we actually say how much things cost. Uh. <laughs> you have been very open about that. And I think our listeners really, really appreciate that.
1: I, I am aware that it's slightly embarrassing how much money I've spent in this process. I am... I am I got too much money sitting around waiting to be thrown at this issue. But I believe that everybody would like to say, if I had, uh, you know, $100 to put to advertising, what would I do with it? If I had $500 to hire someone, or in my case, $800 to hire someone to do publicity, what would happen? And it, our our entire culture is designed to not let you ask questions about money. Right. So, so. I'm very much in favor of what does it cost? How much does it really cost to have an editor? How much does it really cost to run ads? So I, I thank BC for for noting that. Yes, I think that I think that
2: is important. I think so too. What else did lo- you have?
1: Yeah, I loved episode 17, which was you explaining the hero's journey. Oh man, that was fascinating and after you told us about the hero's journey i got joseph campbell's book and began to read it i haven't finished it because ooh, there's thick thick mud that is a that is a that's a cloying clinging book but i still have sitting right next to me the much easier version which is the writer's journey by christopher vogler and you'd think i would have read it by now But I haven't, but it's sitting right here waiting for me to... to,
2: um... That's a much, much easier to read.
1: Well, but the thing that gets me is that this concept that there is an archetype of a hero's journey that has appeared since recorded history in societies far, far flung from each other, that this is something apparently the way the brain is wired in humanity We kind of expect these steps to happen in an epic journey. I have half the plot of a book, like everybody else. Like I read the writer's journey and went the hero's journey and thought, "Oh yeah, okay, I could do this." And and the steps got weirder and weirder, and my novel got weirder and weirder. I still have it. I don't know if I if I'd ever write it, but that ancient archetype really does undergird all the things that we think of as making sense today. So that one was a that was a big okay, all right, okay, all right for me. That was a big one.
2: <laughs> I think someday uh before too too long, we do need to just disc- to talk about the heroine's journey, Gail Carriger's book. Um of that we idea. I think we touched on it once very briefly, but We at some point you are going to read that book and I will revisit it when you do and we will discuss that. If I had the guts to actually reach out to Gail Carriger and ask her to come on the podcast, that would be amazing, right? She has been on so many podcasts talking about this book.
1: You think she's sick of it?
2: (laughs) I think we are we are diddly squat nothing. Right, we're low on
1: our list. Yeah, We
2: are really lovely. Tell me, her,
1: tell me her name again so that I can get that book.
2: Gail Cariger, Carriger, C-A-R-R-I-G-E-R. It's the heroine's journey and it is fascinating. Herod. Absolutely fascinating.
1: Do you think it's fascinating um, in, in relative to the writer's journey and the hero's journey? Or do you think it's fascinating on its own? Yes. Both. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think she talks about the hero's journey in this book. She talks about it a lot and she has very strong opinions about it. And so I'm not going to go into detail about it because I have strong opinions about her strong opinions.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. We're going to do an episode on that. The other, there are other things I want to do episodes on, and this is sort of pulling our punches, but as we went through um, you had sent me an email about writing about art do you write as your life as your profession or as as pure art and i think that's a really that's a really interesting topic i thought that the flip side of that is much more practical which is that if you are a self-published author then you must be writer publisher marketer all three roles have to take place at the same time and if you don't love one of them you got to figure out a way around it so I thought those were topics. I've learned so much about Amazon categories that I think I can do half an hour. Yes. So I would like to do that.
2: I would love you to do that.
1: There are four topics in the coming in the coming weeks. Um, I cut you off. Did you have another one on your list?
2: I did because actually, when I started going back through our old episodes, the one thing, the other thing that really stood out for me was our episode. Pretty early on, I don't remember which one it was, maybe you can look it up, look was it up. on defining success.
1: I have the two, two, two things that are left for me are deep POV and definitions of success. I'm so with you. That was remarkable.
2: And I would love to revisit defining success for you now, after you have published your book. And... Are getting ready to publish three more. Yep. I want to know if your definition of what success is has changed. Ah, uh, uh,
1: let's definitely do that. Let's definitely do that. I, I wanna I wanna look back at that, which was episode number 13. <clears throat> and you and I came up with five possible measures yes. for how you could. Define success. And it was, it's something that every author has to decide for, for themselves. And those five are how much money you make, mm-hmm. how, how many readers and newsletter subscribers you have. If you have any ambassadors who will promote your brand without being begged, personal pride and the ability to give back to the writing community. Right. I would love to revisit that. I don't want to do it yet. Let's let's wait until the third book comes out. The fourth book comes out. Um, I love that idea. I thought that episode was kind of remarkable.
2: Yes, me too. Absolutely.
1: It's hard to stop. It's hard to reflect as, as I'm busily trundling along, figuring out categories and what the price of the book is in India. It's hard to remember why I'm writing in the first place. Uh, so so that's it's worth taking half an hour as an author to decide how, well how will I know when I have succeeded, what categories must be fulfilled in order to feel like I've done well. So that's that was a big one for me too. Yeah. And yours, how yours have changed um, as as you've gone through your process. I mean, now you'd have to include multiple media, right? Audiobooks are now in your list.
2: It is true. It is true. And not only that, but we're always growing and changing and learning and so on. And so, yeah, maybe my definition has changed in the past year and will continue to evolve. I know that my definition has definitely changed and my outlook has definitely, definitely changed through my career, through ups and downs and and moving sideways and all the different things that have happened as I have worked through my writing life.
1: Right, right. When I was 25, I'm 61 now, so this was more than half my lifetime ago, the company I worked for gave everybody the Myers-Briggs personality test which at the time did not take place online right you had to hire a company who came in they spent a lot of money and they told me what my four letters were I I was ENFP it's written down on my wall because it meant so little to me and people would say so what are you and I'm, I'm okay now I know now at 61 I took it again And it's different. That's not who I am anymore. We do change. It is worth it. You'll say, what are you now? And I'm like, I don't remember. I didn't write it down. So, (laughs) but it was different. So I think your point is really good that what you think of as success today may not be what you think of as success tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome. I quite agree with you. Let's definitely revisit that. I had only one more on my list, um, and it was the, our very second episode was Deep POV, mm-hmm. which I think has mattered to me as much as any other thing we've learned under the writing category. That was the one that that opened up a whole new sort of universe of how to create a story that involves the reader, and it's very hard. It's hard to do Deep POV, but I was really grateful to have learned at least what my what I was intending.
2: Yeah, I remember that you were very taken with deep POV and really determined to understand that concept. And you kept going at it and going at it. And I really appreciate <laughs> your tenacity because you were you were certain you were going to get that concept and understand wow. it and and work it into your writing. And I think that's fantastic.
1: Well so much of of what you've taught me over the last year and what I'm learning for myself is that there is no finish line. There's <laughs> no now I, you know, now I've added the math problem and I have a solution. Nice. The the desire to write in deep pov continues within me. I definitely have not achieved it all the time but I do think it's gotten better and i you know mindy lovely mindy who is so valuable to me um read my fourth book just this past couple of weeks to give me some notes there's some um l- lawyer scenes in there and um, among other things mindy <laughs> is a lawyer it's like what can she not do um so i i asked her to read it and she did and one of the things she said was i can see a whole lot of evolution from the first book to the fourth book and that that made me proud, but it also made me think, boy, <laughs> the Writer's Block Party podcast has had great value for me. I have <laughs> learned quite a lot. Quite a lot.
2: So have we done an episode on show versus tell?
1: We talked about it in the deep POV, but uh-huh. we didn't do an entire episode on show versus tell. I'm writing it down because we're Yeah, we're write it
2: down because I think the, that would be a really good one to do.
1: I remain confused by show versus tell. <laughs> so yes, that would be a good one. Because I find that phrase frustrating. Show versus tell. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely, yes, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, I did not listen to every single episode we did, but I got about halfway through the series and, and I think we've finished off my list. Tell me what what we missed.
2: I don't think we've missed anything. I think that was it. That's all that I had. Okay.
1: All right. So for me, the best thing was just the opportunity to ask you stupid questions and and know that you would laugh with me, not at me.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I am very grateful.
2: You are a tremendous sensei. And you are incredible because you ask such fantastic questions and you really... <laughs> make me think. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate your intelligence. And I, as I said on my note, when I sent you the flowers, I appreciate your intelligence, your wit, and your ignorance. (laughs) That's what
1: I'm good at, man. Ignorance. Yay. Well, I thank you for all of this. I am now looking up um, what we're doing next. What are we doing next week? Hang on. (laughs) trying to find it good good you you tell me
2: i think but i could be wrong that we're doing writer's block
1: oh, writer's block. good excellent i can't find my spreadsheet so it doesn't matter writer's block listener next week we're talking about writer's block thank god <laughs> <laughs> i find my spreadsheet so i'm more up to date and we have a lot of things to add to it so yeah. uh our next year is already starting out with uh, with a bang. It's hard to believe that there's so much. This is so complicated, uh, uh, an industry we've, we've invited ourselves into that we can talk about it every single week for a solid year and still not have, but skimmed the icing off the top of this great big cake. So there's more to come. Here's to our next 52, Mary.
2: Absolutely. Here's to that.
0: <laughs> I'll talk to you next week.
2: I look forward to it.
0: That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week, we'll be here before you know it. So check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.